But notice in our text in verse 7, it says, The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another one steps in. Yes, there is no man to help. Notice that. No man to help. Unfortunately, mankind, as you know, within your own self and what's true in the world, mankind is selfish. They're self-centered. In our old nature, we only look out for number one. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The crippled man assumed Jesus knew how things worked at the pool of Bethesda, and he explained to Jesus why it wasn't possible for him to be healed. Quite naturally, the man couldn't think of any other way for his need to be met. The man was an interesting case of hope combined with hopelessness. He had hope, or would never have come to the pool of Bethesda. Yet once there, he had little hope to be the favored one to win the healing that day. As believers in Jesus Christ, we should always place our hope in Jesus and not in man, just as this man will learn. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. It would seem to make sense that here I am crippled, of course I want to be made whole. And you know what? It's very probable there were other people there with that man as well, and wanted healing, and what about them? You know, Have you ever thought about that? As he's there, he's one of many, and yet God, Jesus, he singles out this one man. The scripture doesn't say why he didn't heal. He only healed him and not everybody else. Why? I'll give you the answer, and I know for sure. I don't know. I don't know why God does that. But he looked at everyone there, and he was able to discern and to know and to understand who had the greatest need and who had the faith to be healed and who he was going to heal regardless of the measure of their faith. It was this man. It was this day. It was his time. Do you want to be made well? A very interesting question that we're going to develop here this morning We're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, and let me read it to you. You recall that this uh, happened right before Jesus' triumphal entry, within the last week of his life here on the earth. Remember, as he is going, he is down in Jericho in the Jordan plain, and he is going to make his ascent from from Jericho, excuse me. He's going to make his ascent from Jericho there in the Jordan plain, all the way up into Jerusalem. And it says that when he came to Jericho, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, notice he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, this is a a messianic phrase, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, The son of David, have mercy on me. And what does Bethesda mean? Mercy. (laughs) It's kind of interesting how we're looking at this passage, and yet Bethesda is the house of mercy. Have mercy on me, God. And then in verse 49 of that same chapter, Jesus stood still, and he commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. And again, notice the question that Jesus asked. Jesus answered and said unto him, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Are you kidding? Can't you see that my eyes, I'm blind. I had to stagger to get here. I had people help me to to, to find you, Jesus. The obvious, it's very obvious. Can't you see? I'm blind. What do you want me to do for you? This seems like an obvious question. Very similar question to what Jesus asked this lame man here in John 5. But Jesus knew that Bartimaeus was blind. But notice that he waited to see how he would answer. Just because he was blind, he may have had something different. He may have asked for something different. Maybe the man would ask, you know what, I've got a family member who's dying. Could you please heal them? But he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? He goes beyond the obvious. What do you want? And Jesus encourages us today to ask him. In James chapter 4, verse 2, it says, You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And the obvious thing is, for God wants us to ask. And obviously when we ask, we ask according to his will. And if I ask according to his will, I'm not going to ask him things that I know are sinful. I'm not going to ask him things that I know are against the word of God. I'm not going to ask him things that are going to just, I'm just going to gratiate upon my flesh. I can say, Lord, I want one of those new Escalades with leather interior, Corinthian leather from Italy because they make the best leather, amen? And the best pasta and everything else. But anyway, I could ask him for all these things when God say, Rob, what are you going to do with that? Oh, I'm going to pick up the people and bring them to church. Oh, really? Could you do that in a Volkswagen instead? Mm, no, I really can't. I need that Escalade. Brand new, you know, 2023 model. Hasn't come out yet, but I want that one. And see, he knows the, the, our hearts. He knows, but he wants us to ask. Ask. In fact, in Matthew 7, what did Jesus say? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. The the, the idea of persistence is here. You keep knocking. You keep asking. Don't just give up. You pray one time. Oh, it didn't work. I guess I'm going to move on. No, you keep asking, and you keep praying. You keep praying. Perseverance is something that we need today. We so easily give up. Don't give up, saints. You keep asking, you keep knocking, you keep praying. He says, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man there is among you, if he asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? Jesus in John chapter 16 would say, Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father, notice, in my name. In my name. There's the clue. I don't just ask for anything. If I ask it in his name, 
I'm going to ask it because it's necessary for what God has for me in my life. It's okay to ask for other things too, but don't get disappointed if you don't get that house on Lake Avenue. He may give it to you. (laughs) He may just give it to you. But he is not a rabbit's foot, and we don't ask him to consume things upon our lust. But he says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, he said to his disciples, you've asked me nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I love that. Ask. Now, I believe that the vast majority of people who are sick or crippled, they want to be healed. They want to be whole. Wouldn't you agree? The vast majority of people who are in those conditions do want to be made whole. But Jesus didn't put these words in here. He didn't waste his time. And what I'm going to share is going to sting a few of you, and and I don't mean it to. But I've known situations like this. I've met people who are in this condition. And and I'm not saying that if you are infirm, if you um, have some kind of issue or disease or whatever, that this applies to you at all. It may, it may not, okay? But I've seen this in my own life, and I believe there are some people who don't want to be healed. Have you met somebody who didn't want to be healed? I think the majority of people do, but I've met some that do not want to be healed. There are some people that would rather stay in their predicament. Their predicament is predictable, it's safe, they've learned that it doesn't require faith, it doesn't require any effort, and unfortunately they get stuck there. Have you known somebody to get stuck in something? And they just, they don't, they gave up, they've given up, they don't want to do it. Why might this happen? Because some have either been sick or maimed for so long it becomes a part of their identity, doesn't it? This is who I am. I've been I've been in this wheelchair for 10 years and that's the way I'm going to I'm always going to be there and I'm going to be here forever. And again, don't misunderstand me. There are people who are seriously maimed and, and ill and but there are those who kind of get introverted and they get despondent. And those things are are, are not good for them, right? We know that that's not good. But I've met people like that. It it, kind of becomes their identity, unfortunately. This is who I am. And they wouldn't know how to cope being made whole. Maybe they've been ill for so long, they wouldn't know if if God healed them what they would even do. And some do it, uh, you know, why might they want to stay in their predicament? For fear of new expectations being placed on them because now they're well and now they're able to work and be active again. And that's scary for someone who has been ill or incapacitated for some time. That happens, doesn't it? And sometimes, unfortunately, somebody may not want to get out of the predicament because of the attention they receive. Some people like that attention and the fuss that people make over them. Have you known people like that? Again, this is hard, I know, but these things are true. And sometimes they just get despondent. They get lazy. And laziness can kick in in every one of us, and some just give up. And some people are just okay with nobody expecting anything from them. There are no challenges. It's easy. And we need to pray for folks like that. And not everybody feels that way. I would say there's a minority of people who are really in these things that I'm reading to you that are in that state. And that's not an easy thing to say, but I know that those things are true. And sometimes there's even a financial benefit to not being healed, to just stay in their current state. They don't cry out to God anymore. They don't even want to seek the operation that might heal them because they've been sick so long. 
But these things happen. But do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Do you believe that Jesus can make you well? Have you asked him to make you well? He can. Have you asked once and then given up? Keep asking, unless the Lord says to you that you need to endure this for his glory for some reason. You keep asking. You keep knocking until he gives you that sense that this is my will for your life. And there's reasons that I can't, you can't understand now, but as, you, as time goes on, I will reveal to you. And you will see why this was a good thing for you. And I'm going to do things. I'm going to be glorified in and through your life through this. And so far, we've been talking about physical illness. But what about spiritual illness? What about this separation from God that for those who have rejected Christ, they will spend an eternity in hell? But is that God's heart? He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. It's his will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you to be in heaven with him, where there is pleasures forevermore. He doesn't want you to go to hell. You send yourself there. He just confirms your choice. Do you know that? He doesn't send anybody there. He confirms the choice that you have made. So do you want to be saved? Do you want to be born again? Saved to heaven with Jesus forever, away from eternal damnation. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus passed on and he saw a man, Matthew, sitting in the tax collector's office. And he said to him, follow me. And so he arose and followed him. And it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, going to Matthew's house, that many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, and he wasn't talking about just the physically sick, because he turns it around and goes into the eternal now, and he says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now he's getting eternal. Now he's talking about repentance and sinners. It's not just a physical thing anymore. What about it? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be whole in every sense of the word, not only physically, but spiritually. And God, Jesus Christ, has made that provision for you. You have to step out in faith and ask him. But some people have walked in darkness for so long, it is their familiar friend. Do you remember when you walked in darkness? It became so familiar to you. You know, and you hear people joking about it all the time. You know, when somebody confronts them about heaven, they're like, no, man, I'm going to go to hell and I'm going to have a party with my friends. They become so familiar with darkness that they no longer have a desire. They're very comfortable in that place. It's a comfortable place. Sin and darkness can get very homey and we can get very settled in it. Not any of you, if you come to know the, the Lord, you don't have to worry about that. But there are people who love their darkness. They love their darkness. It's all they've ever known, and they're afraid to change. Darkness and misery can be a friend to someone who knows no better and hasn't tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And such were some of us. 
And I can say that that was my heart at a certain time. Back in 1964, Simon and Garfunkel wrote a song called The Sounds of Silence, or The Sound of Silence. And the words in the very beginning, you remember, Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Darkness can be a friend. And that's why Jesus would say, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. He has come into the world, and men, notice, love. They agape, agape, they love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Men love darkness. That's why they don't come to the light. And I'm so glad the miracle of miracles that God touched my heart in the middle of my darkness. I was loving my darkness. I loved my sin. Otherwise, I would have given up on it. But the devil always has this carrot that he puts out in front of you saying, Oh, just grab the carrot. You know, take the gold. See what's flashing the lights, the music. Oh, the beat is so wonderful. Just get wrapped up in it. Party. Grab the Bud Light. Like the commercials, you know, they show all these people having a great time and they don't show them the next morning. <laughs> Sitting on the bathroom floor, waking up to somebody they never met before. It's all a big party, and yet it's darkness. It's darkness, and we get very comfortable in darkness. And the devil loves it when you're comfortable in the darkness. But notice in our text, in verse 7, it says, The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another one steps in. Yes, there is no man to help. Notice that. No man to help. Unfortunately, mankind, as you know, within your own self and what's true in the world, mankind is selfish. They're self-centered. In our old nature, we only look out for number one, which is yourself. That's the way the world is. But yes, there was no man, but there was the Son of Man standing before him, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. No man to help him. And maybe you've been in a place where no man can help you. You've exhausted all the doctor's pills, all of the surgeries, and you're still in agony, you're still in pain, and you never once reached out and asked God and said, Lord, help me, please. When's the last time you were in a malady and you fasted and prayed? And you said, God, if you don't speak to me, I'm going to die. Emotionally, maybe even physically, Lord, I am at a place that I've never thought I would be. I need you, Jesus. Would you please help me? Because, see, when man, and you know this true to yourself, when man comes to the end of himself, he exhausts all of his resources and his natural thinking. That's the only time that he looks up. After we've exhausted all of our own resources... After all of our thinking is, is, is run into a dead end, then we finally look up. Well, why don't you go to God first? Wouldn't you rather have God help you? Sometimes we can be looking at man and only considering the natural and forget that God can do anything and that he is the God of the supernatural as well. Think about it. If he's able to speak everything into existence when there was nothing, Isn't he able to do anything that you might be stricken with? He's able. But do you believe it? And I have seen this happen to people. I've heard about it and I've seen it myself. I've seen God do wonderful things. 
Unfortunately, man's propensity is to rely on broken cisterns, on helps that don't really offer help. What does it say in Jeremiah? Jeremiah said, my people, speaking to Israel before they would go into captivity, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, number one, the fountain of living waters, and number two, they've hewn themselves cisterns. A cistern is a very specific thing, and it has a purpose. And the purpose is to hold water. When it would rain, they would capture the water in there, and that would be a a very functional purpose for a cistern. But God is saying, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and instead they've hewn for themselves cisterns that can hold no water. It can hold no water. We go to everything else but God. But notice, this man, in our text today, he cries out to Jesus. He cries out to him. In Psalm 60, it says, give... Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Sometimes the help of man is very useless. It doesn't mean that we can't be helpful. But ideally, most importantly, the help of man is useless. And what about Psalm 118? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Because no one, as this man is sitting at the pool, no one had the compassion, no one had the love to help this man. Two men could have grabbed this man and said, you know what, I'm not in as bad a predicament as this guy is. Let's grab him and take him down there. And his faith would have made him whole. Who cares about the stirring of the water? I don't think it was the angel or the supposed angel stirring the water that got the job done. I think it was the faith of the individual saying, I believe that God can heal me. They could have all jumped in that pool that day and they could have come away healed. They could have. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. In Numbers 11, when Israel was going through the wilderness, you remember there came a point where Moses had told, had told the Lord that, you know, the people are many and, we, you know, how, am I, how are we going to feed this many people? We have to slaughter several thousands of sheep and cattle. Where's our water going to come from? It was a very natural question, very natural need. And the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Is his arm shortened that he can't do this? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. God is able. Do you believe that? Even today in 2021, is God able? He is. He's able. And he loves you. And he loves this man. But cry out to him. Notice in our text, verse 8, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Notice the command of God. This is a command. Here he is. I mean, think of the the guts (laughs) to be able to do that, to look at a lame man who's been there for 38 years. Every day, sitting there, nobody helps him. And Jesus comes and says, Rise, and take up your bed and walk. And Jesus probably reached on his hand for the guy. And then he had a choice to make. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.